everyone. You are tuning in to the second episode in the Voice of Hope in the Darkness podcast series. This is your host, Nicole Smith, and today we have a very special guest joining us to discuss the topic of depression. Her name is Philippa, and she is an incredibly uh, talented writer, creative director. Um, so Philippa, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, share a little bit more about who you are and um, really what you do before we dive into this topic of depression. Thank you so much, Nicole. I am so blessed to know you and to be a part of this and what you're doing. Um, depression, anxiety, fear, all of this stuff is very important to me. So I'm so thankful for what you're doing and to be able to talk about this. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, so I guess <laughs> you're very kind in your introduction. <laughs> I I do a lot of things. I guess I am a I'm the creative director of After Eden Pictures, and I am the screenwriter for Eight Days Film, and I'm not ashamed. And I absolutely love to write and to create, and to create content that has messages to inspire and encourage and bring hope, um, to make the world a better place. I, you know, it takes so much time and energy and effort to create that I want to use that to make a difference and to bring people hope and help them be who they're called to be and so it's so true too yeah if you're (laughs) if you're going to invest all that time into it it's definitely good knowing that it's going to be worth it and that it's going to reach people that's very that's very good um so I do know that you know like you said much of the work you do is focused on bringing hope and purpose to those around you um so tell me a little bit more about your background and kind of why those topics are so important specifically to you Absolutely. Um, And I grew up in entertainment. I was literally born into it. My parents met at a modeling job way back when. Very cool. Yes. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) they were both athletes and models, and I was the firstborn child. My mother started an agency and training center the year I was born. So I have two younger brothers, and growing up, we had to do modeling and acting, and we had to run track. And I am a very sensitive, high-feeling child and very analytical, too. So I was very performance-driven. I wanted to please people, and I worked really, really hard at it. I was really hard on myself, too. I... I did really well in track and field and well in acting. Um, but I remember my first play, I, I booked the re- lead role. They redid the play so that I could be the lead. I was too young. And I was bawling my eyes out beforehand, just terrified. I had so much fear around me. And mm-hmm. in track and field, um, I think by the time I was 10, I was winning national um national awards and medals and setting records um, for the United States in track and field and various events. But I remember I would, I'd set a new national record and I wouldn't be happy. (laughs) And Mm, my mom would ask me why. I said, well, because I could have done better. Mm. And the only reason I won is because no one else did better that day. It was was really... um, pretty sad. I don't remember being happy growing up. Um, I cried a lot as a child. I cried myself to sleep and I hid it. I hid it really well. Um, yeah. 
performing was very important in my family and in what I was taught too. Um, I was taught to smile. I was taught to try and be extroverted and outgoing and talk to people. And um, it's just, it wasn't who I am. Yeah. And, it was- and I do think that is something that we see so often too in our culture that we have this um, kind of stigma around like, like that there's this idea of negative emotions that it's not okay to ever be upset or to have this feeling of grief or frustration or sadness. And I really do think um, a lot of people, they're taught from that very early age that they have to put on this front, that they're happy, that everything's okay, that they're fine, even when they're not. And there's not really that outlet for any of those feelings or emotions. So I definitely, I definitely see that. And especially with the pressure of, you know, competitive athletics and all of that (laughs) stuff too, like it's only, you know, escalated that much more. Yeah, I definitely didn't have an outlet to go with my feelings. I think I've tried to at various points, but in my sensitive spirit, I felt ignored or I was met with kind of anger, which is not a um, good response when someone's hurting. (laughs) Yeah, of course. When you tell somebody I'm, I'm sad or I'm upset to be met with that anger, it's really hard to, and I think a lot of the anger stemmed from not understanding, like how could you possibly be sad? You set the national record or whatever. Right, right. Um, so there was huge communication um, faux pas there and I didn't talk and it was not very good. So I spent, um, yeah, I got a scholarship to college. I performed, 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 but I was sick and injured through most of my, um, the end of my career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think it's, oh, and I developed eating disorders. I had a verbally abusive coach. Wow. Um, yeah, I think, and I'm not even really competitive. So this was really hard for me. They had these girls that were kind of pitted against me to make me better, to train against them. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm the kid going, I just want a friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I prayed a lot um, for a friend because I had such trouble talking and just my performance environment and a busy schedule. Um, but to be pitted against girls that just wanted to beat me was really hard for me. And the mm-hmm. verbally abusive coach mm-hmm. is plural. Um it was very, very difficult. Um, so I was sick and injured a lot. And that was another source of frustration for the people around me. And finally, I was injured enough to where I could stop. And that was, it was really hard um, to kind of, that was my identity. My identity was wrapped up in you're the track athlete. Right. Um, you're the actress, you're the model, and to have that ended was a huge relief, but it was also very disorienting because I, that was my identity, and I didn't know who I was at that point. Right, right. So what did things look like for you after these injuries and after you were kind of able to step out of that, um, that track role and that athletic role? Um, I went through a season where... I um, actually met my future husband, and he was the first person in my life that I can recall that genuinely like asked me questions like, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What would make you happy? 
And at that point in my life, it was all about, well, you're good at this. You're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I might have encouraged that, too, because I wanted to please people and I was good at it. But I was Mm -hmm. extremely unhappy um, and depressed doing it. So that um, after I was able to leave, I was finally able to start sitting down. And it was a very disorienting time. Like, who am I? But to kind of figure out who I am. And that happened when I was 20. And the best thing I ever did for myself was to, um, to start talking. Like up until that point, you know, I got to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I was, I was so depressed. Um, and I just was, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I'm, yeah, this is my life. I can't perform for anybody else. I want to be healthy. I want to be who I'm supposed to be. I want to be happy. I want to do what, want to figure out what I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I started asking those questions. I started praying. I started researching. I went to counseling, and that's probably the best thing I ever did for myself. Yeah. I started putting myself first because um, I don't think I ever had. I put everybody else's desires um, for myself and just whatever they wanted before me. Even if I, even if they weren't verbalized, I took what I felt like they wanted. So that was huge. I started talking. I went to counseling. I started researching. Um, there were a lot of books and a lot of online articles and personality tests. And, um, there's this book by Susan Cain called quiet. That was actually really amazing for me as an introvert to read and accept myself. Um, has a lot of research on extroversion and introversion and being in a acting, modeling family, it's, and just our culture, there's so much pressure to perform and to be outgoing and be the center of the party and center of attention. And it's not who I am at all. And this book, um, like it's the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. It gave me permission to be myself and that I had value and that I was important. And all these the counseling, the books I read, the, um, the things I did online, it was, that's what it came down to was I had to learn who I was and accept and find value in that. And it completely changed my life. Um, it really, yeah. And I was, it was worth it to me and I was intentional about it. Yeah. It was, that was really I had the one person in my life to go, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want to do? And, and I, to really be it, able to start breaking it down too and looking at like all these things that I've done all this time. Yes, I may have had some talent there or some skill there or been good at it. But if it wasn't really what you wanted, you still have that frustration and that feeling like there's something that's missing. So that's good to have somebody in your life that's asking those questions, whether it's somebody who's going to be your spouse or a close friend or a counselor, you know, whoever that person is. I think we all need somebody like that um, really to hold us accountable to who we're really supposed to be. Um, it's so that's important. So true. And that's something I've started carrying in my life is really looking at every person I meet and, and knowing they have value, knowing they are an individual created for purpose, on purpose. I, I very much believe that 
there's a reason every person is here right now. And to look at each person that way and to ask those questions and to get them asking those questions of themselves. Who are you? Why are you here? What are you passionate about? Because I believe I want to leave the world a better place than when I arrived. I'm really, really passionate about that. And I don't believe we can until we accept ourselves and operate in our giftings and passions and accept the people around us too and work together and exhort each other. And um, because when you're in that season of depression, when you're in that place, it really, it prevents you from life. It prevents you from living. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so passionate against fighting it and bringing awareness because, you know, there's a lot of people that don't understand depression. Right. I, <laughs> I guess I'd be in a family that um, my grandmother has been clinically depressed for about six years and on antidepressants, wow. different ones for various years. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to live like that. Um, right. I saw that. I did not want to live like that. But diff- other various members of my family, they just don't understand depression at all. And it is hard to understand if you've never dealt with it. But it is that heaviness that you feel like you can't get out of. Like you can't get out of bed. You can't yeah. live. It's, it's it's crippling. It really is. Yes. It really does hinder you from, from doing so many things. Um, so what would you recommend to someone um, who's, you know, fighting these symptoms of depression that's going through it? What would you recommend that they change in their own life to fight that, to overcome it, to, to battle against it? I, you need some people to fight with you, <laughs> I believe, yeah. especially if you are in um, that deep, dark place. And it doesn't have to be. I I have some people that I'm fighting with um, all across the world that I'm just, I'm there for via text or phone whenever. Yeah. Um, We need those, those people that just accept us for who we are, where we're at, no matter what. And that encourage us and inspire us for more. um, That that accept us first. So having those people to fight with you is, is really, really helpful, especially when you're just, feeling so down but then being intentional too um i was reminded a little bit of a story um i was born um well i'll start with this my my mother had an injury in track had a lot of them but at this point i think i was 12 maybe and my mother took me to this doctor this older doctor and and he kind of didn't remember who we were. She introduced herself, and and he goes, "Oh, can can your daughter? Can she walk okay?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and and he said, "Yeah, normally those girls or those kids, they they never are able to walk all right." And my mother had tears in her eyes, and she said, "Not only can she walk okay, but she um, has been a national tra- champion in track and field for so many years." And I learned afterwards that I was born with a third of a club foot. Oh, wow. Um, so my foot was tilted in, the top part was tilted in, like a third. Um, and what happened is the doctors had all told her that I was going to be fine. That she went to, but the grandmother was so worried that I had to keep going to different doctors until this guy said, I'm so glad you brought her to me. It's almost too late to fix this. Wow. And... 
she had from that time I had to wear shoes on the opposite feet for a year and mm-hmm. she had to massage my feet out every time um, I think they changed my diaper <laughs> so that's a lot if you have kids sure um, yeah. but for a year and I say all that to say that you know I can not only walk okay now but I can I ran well enough to win national championships but it took right. intentionality um, she could have ignored it she could have not listen to the doctor, oh, it'll just be fine. Um, but she didn't. She was intentional every day to do stuff and and look at the difference. Like I went from not being able to walk to, um, you know, doing well on track. So I, when I look back, I'm not where I want to be, and I don't know that I ever will be because I have mm-hmm. that perfectionistic spirit in me. Sure, and always that drive to what's the next big thing. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Yes, but when I look back, I am miles away from where I've been. Yeah. And that's a huge victory. So, like, I would tell people, like, every day, um, be intentional with yourself. Uh, Be intentional with learning who you are, uh, with accepting who you are, with working on what you're passionate about. Um that's with counseling be intentional with that be intentional with studying for me faith is a huge thing what faith is the evidence of things hoped for it's the substance of things not seen um like i had that was really it's what i needed to know that there was purpose there was purpose for my life there was purpose for um just everything going on and about me. So I was intentional to pray, to read, to study, to, yeah, just invest in myself and what I wanted and what I was called to. And I had to fix a lot of bad habits and a lot of bad thinking patterns and things I had developed. I had to kind of educate the people around me that, hey, this, I know this is what you were used to, but I was depressed and this is actually yeah. who I am, which yeah. is another painful process, but it, it was intentional. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Um, so do you believe that depression is something that still tries to take over in your own life at times now? I think I am a person being very sensitive and being very contemplative. Mm-hmm. I am going to be more naturally prone to depression. Sure, yeah. Like, I can, yeah. (laughs) And that's something, too, that I studied is, okay, this is who I am now. How do I go out into the world and not be overwhelmed with everybody's feelings? Because that's something I deal with is I feel what other people are going through. So not only do I have my stuff, but I've got the weight of the world. You know, it feels like sometimes. So that's another intentional thing is I had to figure out how to operate in who I am. Right. How to, to be aware and to feel things, but not let them drag me down. Yeah. Um, to do something with what I feel. Cause that's why I feel that way. That's why I'm right. able to, to do that. I think that was also a very big thing for me growing up too, because I can remember being as young as probably, I want to say I was as young as 10 or 11 and having people come to me at this age where I barely even know who I am. I, I barely know who I am to this day. And I'm yeah. 23, still trying to figure it all out. Um, 
But, I, you know, same as you, I know that I have certain things that I'm called to do and certain plans and a purpose for my life. And, you know, every day I'm trying to be intentional to accomplish those things. But, you know, same as you, I look back and think, man, I'm miles from where I was. I've made so much progress, <laughs> but there's yeah. also so much left to accomplish. Um, but I think back to this time when I was 10, 11, you know, I was so young, you know, not even in high school yet, and having other people come to me telling me these these heavy feelings, this, you know, this feeling yeah. of depression, this feeling of, you know, having these thoughts, having anxiety, having fear, you know, fighting, you know, eating disorders and all this other stuff. And I can remember feeling very much the same way that, you know, I'm wrestling with these things in my own life while also trying to pour into these other people. And right. if you're not able to take care of yourself, it's so hard to give that back and pour into others if you're not even taking care of yourself first. And so Absolutely. I do think that is a really big thing of figuring out how to listen to and provide feedback to what's going on in the world around you without taking all of the emotion on yourself like as an added burden. Um, so I think that's such a good point because it's so true. And that's something even today that, you know, as I'm doing all this stuff with Voice of Hope in the Darkness and as I'm meeting new people through it, you know, I'm doing my best to pour back into them, mm-hmm. but also, you know, trying to take care of myself at the same time. And it's such a good point. It's so true. It's something I'm that we all have to be aware of. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is something I wanted to mention too. It, you, and I had to learn it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't pour into other people when you have nothing to give. Yes. So um, being intentional, taking care of yourself right, is very important. And on that same line, giving yourself grace in that season, in where you're at. One of my right. life mottos has become, do what you can, no less, um, no more, no less, no stress. It's That's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. And, you know, we both are overachievers kind of personalities and that is true (laughs) a little more perfectionistic and um that can really be stressful we've got to it's true give ourselves grace that you know this is all i can do right now and that's okay right that is okay um i think that's part of loving yourself too (laughs) like i agree with that (laughs) yeah taking that time that hey okay i don't have to say yes to every single thing I don't have to stress about every single thing. It's true. It's true. It's it's very important and needed. And I think that was easier, too, because I could love on other people and give them grace. But giving myself the same thing was, was harder. And that's really sad. <laughs> well, and I can remember plenty of times where I would be giving out advice to people that I wasn't even necessarily heeding myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. doing doing the same thing where it was good advice and yet I'm <laughs> over here, you know, still holding all this stress and still feeling so burdened and weighed down and, you know, emotionally frustrated and distressed about all these things going on around me instead of turning it over, letting it go, you know, doing what you're supposed to do with it and then releasing it. And yeah, yeah so that's definitely something too is, is listening to to the advice you're giving to. Yeah. It really goes back to that self-care about really loving yourself and taking care of yourself and making sure that you're filled so that you're able to pour into the people around you. Um, Because I think we went through the things we did for a reason. Absolutely. I don't think we'd be at the place we're at if we hadn't gone through those things. Um, And I think we're able to 
help and reach the people that, you know, have recently come into our lives and the different projects that we have going thanks to a lot of that, even though I'm sure we didn't feel that way while we were going through much of it. But yeah, looking back, you know, it's almost it's almost like it was a good thing because I think now we're at a place where we know how to talk about these things. We know how to um, express what, what can be changed or how to find that purpose on your life, that calling that, you know, whatever those different things are that we're really being pulled to do beyond just what is, you know, put upon us, but the things that go beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very interesting. It's very good. Yeah. I have two daughters and, I think one of the first things I spoke over my first child was, um, like, you're perfect. (laughs) And, you know, not that everything about her is perfect, but just that acceptance of, like, there's nothing you have to change. Yeah. Um, Like, everything about you is is on purpose, and it's it's perfect. Um, And I realized, yep, I've got to say that about myself and accept that in myself, too, and I think one of the big, big wake-up calls for me was um, I had different, like I, I listened to your first podcast and I love it. And like you, I had different people in my life that I knew were struggling, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't say anything. I was going through my old, own stuff and I was afraid to talk yeah. and to reach out. And I absolutely hate that and regret that. And I don't want to see that happen again I'm very with you in that and so um that's yeah I I know my passion is is writing and creating content um speaking on your show is absolutely a blessing um to do as well glad to have you yes (laughs) ma'am so yeah we are we are using our gifts and talents to speak into the lives of other people and I I really it's really important to me because every person that's listening, every person that we encounter and meet, they're here for a reason and a purpose and want them to know that and be inspired and live in that hope. I agree. And in the same way, I hope that every single person who is out there listening to this at you know, whatever point that you're in in your life, that you are also able to take whatever those gifts are that you've been given and do the same. You know, maybe it's Mm -hmm. not a podcast, maybe it's not starting an organization or anything like that, but maybe it's talking to that one person that you're meeting at your job or that one person that you're passing on the street or whatever it is, whoever those people are that you're encountering on that daily basis, that you're taking the time to give whatever you've been given and give it back to them to pour out that same thing to them. Um, Because I really do believe that you know, that's a major key to walking out our purpose is, is taking what we've been given and then really going from there. I think that's huge. I think that's huge. Yeah. And another thing I love from your first podcast is that, um, the unique design of who you are, there is a place you belong. Um, and you know, when you do discover who you are, um, pay attention to what those, those curves and edges and everything about you is, um, and I think that's important in understanding where you fit um, in this in this world and with the people you fit in with too. So, I agree. That's so good. Well, here at uh, Voice of Hope in the Darkness, we do want to be a support system for anyone who's wrestling with depression, um, having hopeless thoughts, really whatever you're going through. We want to offer that support to you. 
Um, we do have a text line that you can text into if you are struggling with anything, whatever you're facing. Um, and so you can reach us at 507-944-HOPE. And then we also have um, an email contact that you can also reach us through if you ever have any questions, want to share your story with us, or really just get connected, share what you're doing in your own life. Um, we don't care where you are in your story, just that you are getting connected and that you're using your gifts and talents to also reach other people, whether you're still currently facing um, the symptoms of depression or whether you know it's something that's well in the past that you're using to propel you into the future. Um, and so that email is contact at voiceofhopeinthedarkness.com. And then you can also get connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And we do want you to know that you're not alone. You know, there are so many people out there that do suffer from depression, and you do not have to be defined by any label or any diagnosis. And really, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You are valuable. You matter. And we thank you so much for tuning into this podcast and joining us on this journey. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.